You are now listening to the greatest show in the universe. Hey man, this is Tommy Chong. Right now you're listening to the Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real Wolf of Wall Street, and you're listening to the Anthony Rogers Show. The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Sean Danielson from Smile Empty Soul, and you are listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. The Anthony Rogers Show. Brian Bader from the Verb Pipe here, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, this is James Jude Courtney, Michael Myers, aka The Shape, and Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and the soon to be released Halloween Ends. And this is The Anthony Rogers Show. I am Dave Holmes from MTV and Esquire Magazine, and you are listening. To the Anthony Rogers Show. What's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather, and cannabis expert, <laughs> and connoisseur. And you're watching the Anthony Rogers Show. Peace. This holiday season, you're going to want to smell like luxurious bastard beard co. You either want to wear them as a man or smell them as a woman. So buy them as a man or buy them for your man. Don't smell like a bum this holiday. Do it right. With Luxurious Bastard Beard Company, use promo code LEGENDARY for a discount. Welcome back to the greatest show in the entire universe with a dissolving couch and uh, going through space. This is really happening. Uh, we have Nikki Niley and uh, Sean Danson. Hi. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you guys? Good. We have a crazy, like a crazy huge guest. Like this is like, uh, this is crazy. This is uh, a big story for anybody in like the, I guess like the gun community or or, uh, the anti like, uh, yeah, the anti rape community. I guess like uh, anybody in that angle, which I I I hope all of us can agree to at least on that on the second one. Um, (laughs) but uh, you know, crazy (laughs) story. Um, absolute pleasure for him to take time to be here. Like uh. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How do I say your last I'm... name? I'm an idiot. I, I didn't want to mess that up. I was gonna be. I was gonna say your last name, but I felt like I was gonna butcher it. Okay, so that's right. I'll I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you if you're right. <laughs> Ploche, is that right or plo? Is it? Am I wrong? It, it's Ploche. Ploche. I was very close. Yeah. It's been close enough. I'm white trash trying to read French, and I didn't want to. I, that, I, so I wanted to make that the <laughs> like, first question. French? Like, French. First, first question's like <laughs> it's I, French. I, I could spell it, but I couldn't read it. But uh, no, so okay, this story is cr- I mean, this personally is like uh, you, you. So it's crazy you even talked about it. But but so that whole story is crazy. It's, it's uh, it's your dad's Gary's birthday today. Also, you're saying it is. That's crazy. How he would have been? I think seven. He he would have been seventy eight, I believe. Seventy eight. Wow. <clears throat> that's a crazy story. So that's like a crazy story, man. Like that, that like blew up and like it, it. Did it get bigger now for you? Like, are people like asking you now more about it because like internet memes and stuff? It's grown over the last 10 years. I've seen it from social media between, you know, YouTube, uh, podcasts, true crime podcasts, especially TikTok videos. I mean, it, and yeah, and with the memes and the, you know, kill your local pedophile and, uh, you know, ped- a pedophile and cure, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy. What are you talking about? I was just going to say, I've definitely seen it in the circles that I run in. I mean, just, grow and grow and and uh awareness of of the whole story is just huge you know at this point i'll be honest i well, don't know anything about the story can you guys give me like some cliff notes on what what you guys are talking about <laughs> yeah joe do you want to you want to do cliff notes because like we have the source actually <laughs> i can yeah i can do i can do a quick rundown uh to make okay. uh, to, to make it short uh when i was 10 years old i started taking karate from a man named jeff Doucette, who was a uh I, can we say uh, just talk normal because I, I did an interview not so long ago where I couldn't say pedophile because it was like on YouTube or something. But he was a pedophile, and he started uh, sexual abusing me um, when I was ten. Eventually, he had gotten in some uh, trouble. He owed money, wrote some bad checks, and he left town. And when he did, he took me with him. So not only was he a child molester, but then he became a kidnapper. And then, Whoa. He, and. Wait, do you know the story now? No, no, that just sounds horrific. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, but it, it gets much better. Just wait. Um, so I was going, I was gone for ten days. Um, he allowed me after a week to call home to my mother to let her know I was okay. 
And um, eventually they traced the call to a, a, a motel room in Anaheim, California, and they arrested him. I was wow. flown back. I was flown back March 1st. 1984 i flew from lax to los uh, to new orleans and nine days later i at this point i was going to the police station they were questioning me at this point i was denying what had happened i was saying he didn't touch me but i knew i'd gone to the hospital and they had, did a rape kit on me so i knew that was going to come back po positive so i, I knew i was going to keep i was going to keep quiet until the rape kit came back and then i would open up and tell the truth that way, were you scared I could tell, that like something would happen to you if you told them the truth. I was scared that Jeff was not going to go to jail, and if he found out once he didn't go to jail, that I told on him that right, he would right. somehow come after me. So I wasn't lying yeah. to protect him; I was lying to protect me. Um, so on March 9th, the uh, Baton Rouge Sheriff's Department, Mike Bar or Mike Barnett, he informed my parents of the FBI's hospital report that it came back positive with spermatozoa on the rectal slide. So, wow. um, my mother sat me down. I admitted it. My father, the first things out of his mouth was he's a fucking dead man. And yeah. so a week later, uh, Mike Burnett, the man who, you know, led the rescue of, of me and told my parents about what happened, flew out to uh, Los Angeles to extradite Jeff back to Baton Rouge. And he went with another sheriff deputy, Bud Connor. And those two, when they arrived at the Baton Rouge airport, um, Mike Barnett went out to look because a camera had shown up, like a news camera had shown up. So Mike Barnett went out to look for like my dad and other kids' dads that Jeff had molested that he had confessed to on the flight home. And so as he was looking behind the camera, he didn't see anybody, so he waved them on. So Bud and Jeff come around the corner and start walking. Well, Mike was looking behind the camera. What Mike didn't do, he didn't look to his right side because my dad was on a payphone talking to his best friend. And when they walked past him, my dad turned around 180 no scoping and the rest is internet history. Oh wait, but we haven't got to the good part yet. Oh my god. So my dad was my dad was arrested. He was charged with second degree murder. Um well initially he was charged with attempted second degree murder, but then Jeff died the next day. So then it was second degree wow. murder. He eventually he eventually pled pled no contest to manslaughter. He was given seven years hard time. But the judge suspended the sentence, gave him five years probation and 300 hours community service. So he shot him on a Friday. Oh. He got it on Monday. Other than that, he didn't do any jail time. Right, right. <laughs> Incredible. That is fucking insane. It, that's, wow. that's true justice. That's true justice. That's I think that's what's so wow. part of what's so yeah. cool about your story is that justice was served and, you know, the American justice system recognized it and, and, let your dad off the hook, you know? Yeah. 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 A lot of people, a lot of people like to tell me that, you know, well, if your dad did that, you know, these days, um, he'd go to jail. I'm like, no, he wouldn't. I mean, the evidence against Jeff was very damning. There was no jury in Baton Rouge that was going to convict my father. And, uh, my dad knew a lot of people and the same people that were in positions of power that, you know, work the system where my father didn't go to jail were the same people that would have been made sure that Jeff would have gone to jail. But I tell people this, my father didn't even lose his job and he drove the company car to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible, man. Um, that's great. That um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that Sorry. part may have been different in this day and age. Companies you know, allowing you to keep your job after driving the company car to do something like that. Yeah. And look, the company that he worked for is really big. Tomorrow night, LSU's playing Florida in football. The game's going to be on ESPN. Watch the game. Watch the head coach. He's going to have a symbol that says H&E. And that was the company my dad worked for. It's called Head and Inquist. So the story was that the owner was in Dallas meeting with some you know future big clients. And when they sat down for dinner, he said, hey, John, uh, you heard about the uh, shooting down there in Baton Rouge. That, that, that's that's your, where you're from, right? And John Inquis was like, yeah, that, yeah, that's my hometown. I heard about it. And he goes, someone ought to give that man a key to the city. And he goes, well, you know, he's my number one salesman. <laughs> so that's kind of how he never, <laughs> never lost his job. Wow. That's hilarious. That's great. So are, are you still, are you in Baton Rouge right now? Yes, I am. Dude, I'm in New Orleans right now. 
Oh, are you? Happens to be, yeah. I uh, well, I, 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 I'm, going... on, I'm, I'm on tour right now. We played a show in New Orleans last night, and we have a day off today. So, what venue were you playing? Southport Music Hall. Is that like it's uh, not necessarily like downtown New Orleans? I think you you know who just Jefferson. performed there a couple weeks ago. Uh, Corey Feldman, I think, just heard there. I think you're right. I think you're right, dude. Um, same, same place. Yeah, it's it's outside of the. You know, it's not in the French Quarter or any of those downtown areas. That no, I, yeah, I know exactly where it's at. You do, yeah. It's like an industrial kind of area. You should get Corey mm-hmm. Feldman open for you, bro. Like <laughs> Corey Feldman open for opening, small. I think we'd be open Corey, for Corey Feldman at this point. I don't. I hope no. I don't think He's that. I, I, I can't believe that. I can't go down with that. I'd like to see Corey Feldman par- uh, paired with uh, Britney Spears for Dancing with the Stars. I like that idea. There you we go. Oh few, my god. We might get a few nicks, but that's all right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, those poor people. So you what, know, I feel like being a celebrity just fucking damn like traumatizes everyone to the point they're just like. Strung out on drugs and like out of their mind. <laughs> see that a lot. <laughs> like, see that yeah. Lot. yeah. So, yeah. hey, so Jody, how's how is this whole thing like? Uh, like, what is your opinion of all this, man? Like, I like we know the story and stuff. Like, what's uh, what's like your opinion on everything, man? Like, like now versus then. Uh, Both really. You know, people... I mean, I mean, what uh, what, what's now first? I guess, yeah. Now I, I just got get a kick out of it. I mean, I, I play along. I mean. If you saw the picture I posted on uh, the uh, X last night, I took a picture. All right, so a couple weeks ago, someone at mentioned me and was like, hey, Jody, help us with something. What was on your dad's hat? Baseball cap. And so I posted a business card that was from the, uh, the previous job, which the hat was related to, and it was uh, called Riverland High Lift. That's where my dad used to work. And so I posted that business card. Well, somebody took it and made a, a graphic art picture and sent it to me. So I was able to go to Amazon and upload that logo to a white baseball cap. And it came in, it just so happened it came in last night. So I threw some sunglasses on. I put that cap on. I've got the beard going. And I mean, I look just like my dad. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was weird. Jeans. Um, um, I have a question. How, how do you feel like, um, I can, I can kind of relate just because I was sexually abused as a child. And I was just curious, like as someone who struggles with PTSD, like did, I mean, that obviously gave you PTSD. Like how have you learned to like manage that or like heal from that? And like, how does it like affect, does, does that still kind of affect you psychologically to this day? No, because what happened is it was so public. So, I mean, most sexual abuse victims probably don't identify like I I knew as soon as Jeff was testing my boundaries that he was doing something wrong I just was still 10 years old and I knew my dad would kill him if I said anything so I just kept my mouth shut but I never blamed myself I never had any of that guilt um you know so I was lucky I mean my mother had warned me and told me about it so I wasn't I didn't go into this uh blind where a lot of kids they'll be younger six seven eight years old and they don't even know what's going on and the abuse will last for, you know, five, six years. And <clears throat> not to mention, then they keep that secret quiet and they probably right. don't say nothing until maybe they have a kid or something like that. That's when right. everything right. comes right. back on them. I, I never had that. Never had it at all. I feel like because people found out about it sooner, it wasn't like a secret you had to keep. I feel like keeping it a secret can almost be just like you were saying, more damaging because then you're living with it on your own. You're dealing with it by yourself and you feel this guilt or like shame or fear of judgment. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Maybe, maybe it being such a publicly known thing on, on such a scale diffused it a little bit. And I kind of felt a little pressure with, you know, the community ra- rallying around my father, um, you know, him not going to jail. I felt like, okay, you know what? I have to, you know, be a good example because, you know, all these people, I mean, because, Ultimately, they were all doing it for me so that I would be okay and my family would be okay. So I kind of felt the responsibility not to be a fuck up because, you know, people would have blamed me fucking up on what happened to me when I was younger. And I didn't want that to be the case. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be a crazy situation. Like so it's like such a public situation and like being that it's gotta be it's gotta be nuts. And then um so this was a big deal in your town for a while and stuff, and then was this like a national story back in the day too? Oh yeah, I remember you know, it was in the Star magazine, you know, Michael Jackson was on the front cover and you okay. know, here's me with my hair dyed black, you know. Yeah, the irony of that. Yeah, they put you next to Michael Jackson. I'm like, come on. I'm like, you know what I mean? It's like, like, show some respect, man. Show some respect. No, this, wow. is, this is 1984. This was thriller Michael Jackson. This was the good Michael Jackson. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, oh, the irony crazy. is only understood now. So yeah. then when, when did this come back, I guess? Like, was this like, a, like within the last 10 years, I guess? I get like, that's like, when did it start popping back off on the internet, I guess? Then, like, well, I I won't I don't want to say it's after my book came out because they were still talking about my dad but you know before my book came out my book came out four years ago and but you might if I if I would search my dad's name on Twitter I might every third day someone mention him but it's been since COVID since TikTok became really big that like you know I, a friend of a family friend of ours who I've known since she was four days old who my parents stayed at their house in Arlington, Virginia, when we were, went to visit them when I was in Pennsylvania, came up to, and she lives in Portland now, came up to her and it's like, you know, do you, have you ever heard of Gary Plouch? And she's like, uh, yeah. And he was like, well, he killed the guy who had kidnapped and molested his son and didn't go to jail. And she's like, yeah. Like, how do you know about this? And it was, it was TikTok or it was some, you know, YouTube or, or something like that. And the funny thing was she was able to go to, her son and be like, Kimmer, I want you to see this. See this guy in this picture right here with your mama? That's Mr. Gary. And so that was kind of cool. Uh, I think I think too, like as the world, the this the current state of the world and, and society is just like getting worse and worse and crumbling. Our justice system is getting more and more fucked up. Um, I think that your dad is only gonna be elevated more and more as a as a hero type figure you know he definitely is a symbol of justice for a lot of people yeah i mean especially in this day and age where i mean you know states like california and new york you know if you i mean shit even if you just shoot a home intruder to defend yourself and your family like you're at risk to go to prison um, <laughs> yeah and, and so so as as places become that crazy like i said i think that your dad's just gonna be you know the lore is just gonna grow and grow yeah and hope hopefully we'll be coming out with a documentary series soon so hopefully that'll help the lore oh it can only help yeah i i, I would definitely watch that what was uh what was your relationship like with your father uh before i started taking karate i was daddy's boy my older brother was mama's boy and like literally like I stayed in the room with daddy or daddy stayed in the room with me and Bubba, my older brother would stay in their room with my mom. And, you know, and I, you know, I always was daddy's favorite, but there's no doubting that. But, uh, no, my relationship, not when Jeff was in the picture because Jeff was, didn't want me hanging around my dad. So in order to, to keep Jeff from getting mad at me, I kind of like avoided him. But b before I started taking karate, I was daddy's boy. After I started taking karate, um, you know, I kind of had a, like a year, not even, maybe six months, where like Jeff would get jealous if I went road to the store with my dad or something. And then, oh God. Oh, well, more, dude. Th then after the shooting, um, the shooting was March 16th, 1984. And I probably didn't, I don't want to say forgive him, but I probably didn't accept him back or welcome him back until that summer he had he had moved back into the house and we were walking down to the swimming pool and i told him i said look i i understand why you did what you did and i'm not mad at you so just i just want you to know that and so i think that once that happened i mean it was almost like we just got right back to where we were before i started taking karate and that was like till the day he died how old were you when when that conversation took place um, I was 11 when the shooting took place. I turned 12 in April the next month. And so you're probably looking two months later. So I was still 12 years old. Wow. Did you have, like have mixed feelings about him shooting your, um, what do you call it? 
victimizer? Karate or... teacher. Uh, <laughs> karate teacher. Yeah, karate teacher, like, pedophile. <laughs> no, at, no, at first, I mean, I, I'd been with this guy hanging out. I mean, most of the time he was fun. And so, yeah, yeah. so at first I was upset that, that Jeff was killed. Um, yeah. You know, 40 years later, I'm not that same 11 year old child sitting right. on the steps of my grandparents' like, uh, I get house. It now. So, yeah, I get it. I still, yeah, to yeah. this day, I w- would not advise a parent to follow my dad's lead because, yeah, he did get the mulligan. He got away with it. It's better for a parent to be there for their child. Um, and we saw that case with Ellie Nessler. If you look at Ellie Nessler's son, Willie, he's in jail for the rest of his life for murdering somebody. So, um, you know, that's just a nut. That's a. That's the closest thing I can compare it to because Ellie shot her son's abuser in the courtroom, but instead she went to jail and then he went to jail. My dad didn't go to jail and so far yet I haven't been to jail. That's crazy. That's well, it's not, <laughs> we had a couple of questions in the comments. Like, uh, like, uh, does, does the meme graphics uh, of your dad doing God's work uh, give you a positive or negative emotion? Well, if you go on go on X and, and look at my picture that I took last night with the baseball cap on, I'm wearing a shirt that says "Visual Alien." It's my dad. I mean, no, we get a kick out of it. My brother, my brother-in-law, we got a really great photo from uh, this summer. We were out there, his, uh, I guess, beach home in Past Christian, Mississippi, and we all have a daddy shirt on. You know, so um, yeah, there, there it is. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> tell me I don't look like him. I don't need more for that. That was crazy. <laughs> and so, wait, so that's the Riverland hat. That's the hat I got yesterday. That's the exact, I mean, it's an exact replica of the hat my dad had on. Nice. That's awesome. Love that. Uh, someone, yeah. else, someone else is asking if you're involved in any, like, groups to help fight um, abduction and sexual abuse, stuff like that for kids. Like, someone's asking. Mike was. All right. So, when I was in college, I got involved in an organization called Men Against Violence. And so, we would do uh, presentations and uh on campus to sororities, fraternities, um, about violence prevention, conflict re- resolution, sexual assault prevention, risk reduction. And when I graduated from LSU in 97, I got a job in Pennsylvania working at a place called Victim Services Center. I was a certified sexual assault crisis counselor, but I was in charge oh, of the what? education program. So, so we would go into the schools and do safety risk reduction education programs to elementary, middle school, high school, colleges, we would do professional trainings. So, yeah, I, I decided to, to go that route because I wanted to learn. I didn't want to just have lived it as a victim, but I wanted to, like, learn how to, you know, stop it, how to, you know, help somebody who's been through it. And so yeah. that was, you know, w- one of the best times of my life is the, my, the, the seven years I spent working in Norristown or Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. The office was in Norristown, but I traveled around the county. Um, I, I still go back and visit. And I still got friends there. Uh, I loved it. That's so beautiful. That's so That's important because awesome. I feel like so many kids get abused and like it's like they never talk about it or they're scared to like they don't know how to deal with it. Like I think it's so important to have some sort of education or some sort of like checking in because is when I was growing up, like no one ever really checked in with me to make sure I was okay. You know what I mean? Like and I couldn't really like go to the family members that were abusing me like it, it was like there wasn't I, I don't feel like there was any programs like that when I was growing up that I felt like I could go to and be like oh my god this is happening help like you know and it makes you feel really helpless and I feel like a lot of a lot of people go through that uh, cool to you uh, depart in that I missed that last part you said but I heard last thing I heard you say was a lot of people go through that, which is true. Yeah, no, I it's said like it's really it's beautiful like that you're uh, that you part in that. Go ahead, say that again. I just said uh, it's like an epidemic in our society. I mean, it's it's insanity. It really, you know, how many yeah. how many kids are abused? It's just fucking. It it boggles my mind. It's upsetting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think your dad figured out how to stop it. You know. <laughs> Jeff Jeff never reoffended anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got him off the street, you know. True, true that. Like, oh. That's crazy. I mean, I could 
it's cool that you can even like talk about this and like even i mean i couldn't imagine having to process this and then on like a on like a and then like in a media level too i mean that's just crazy man and like it's nuts you had to deal with that entire thing man and like i, I mean but i'm glad I, I don't know man it's just that's just nuts i'm glad i mean i guess it ended good for your family you know i mean i got like i really feel like that's the way you handle this stuff you mean you don't you don't hurt children you know really you don't that's like that's a pretty like obvious value you know you don't hurt you don't hurt kids you know no yeah, I mean, don't hurt my dad don't hurt my dad's i can tell you that one <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's it's crazy because the other day i saw this video where these women were being interviewed and they were asked if they would kill for their child you guys might have seen this it was bouncing around the internet you know the last week or whatever and these mothers were just saying oh, i don't think so i don't think so and i mean that just infuriated me like dude that's I would kill without without thinking about it for a second for my daughter. I mean, there's just no, no question, you know, and that's the way all parents should be. You know, that's 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 what being a parent is. I don't have any kids, but I have a cat. But I think I might go John Wick if someone did something to her. <laughs> it's in the blood. It's in the blood, right? I can relate to that. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Dude, I never, y'all want to hear, yeah, y'all want to hear a funny story? It's not that I mean, it's not that hilarious, but it's just a kind of a weird coincidence. All right, so I found this cat. I was heading to Houston. I was on Interstate Ten, and I see this little baby. I mean, little, probably six weeks old kitten, just walking down the shoulder on Interstate Ten. You know, five oh feet, from, four feet, three feet. From, so I go up to the. I, I couldn't exit right away because I was at an exit. So I had to go up to the next exit. I turned around. I came back, and I picked her up, and she follows me around. The little hotel room because I had to go get like a little box and everything. She stayed with me. She rode with me to Houston. Then I brought her back home the next day. Well, when I, I hadn't named her yet. Well, whenever I'd go to pick her up, she'd run from me. And then she'd, she'd want me to pick her up and she'd walk to me. But when I'd been over, she'd take off running. So uh, LSU, they have a, a I want to say a three-time Olympian. She went to summer and winter Olympics. Her name's Lolo Jones, if you've never heard of her. Um, but she's really popular in like the sports world. Um, so I named her Lolo Jones. Uh, you know, she went to LSU and she's a track star. Well, on Father's Day this year, my dad blows up on Father's Day. That's like the, that's like the biggest day of the year. People go, oh, they should have a Gary Poche day. I, I said, they do. It's Father's Day. And so everyone was, <laughs> everyone was wishing me a, ha- a happy Father's Day, thinking I have kids because I'm 51. And I'm like, there's certain activities you have to do to have kids that I haven't done in a while. So I know I ain't got no kids. But I told him I'm a cat dad, right? So I, I'm a cat dad. And I leave work at 5, at 5 o'clock on Father's Day. And I pull into the local Winn-Dixie, which is a grocery store here in Baton Rouge. And who walks in front of my car? Lolo Jones. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, I pull in. I jump out of my car. And I'm at this point, I'm nervous. Like, I'm shaking. And I've, I've shaken hands with Donald Trump, George W. Bush. I've met Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Larry Holmes, talked with Bernard Hopkins. I mean, I've done met, I've met a lot of people. And the most nervous I've ever been was for Lolo Jones. And I even said, Lolo, my, my, dad's, my dad's the guy that shot the guy. And I never do that. But and she's not from <laughs> here. She's from like God. Iowa. Yeah, so she's like she's like from Iowa. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And my dumb ass had 20 books in my trunk, and I didn't even think to pull a book out and sign one and give it to her. Oh, you're just the the definition of starstruck at the moment. All because of a damn cat. (laughs) All because of a damn cat. (laughs) Was it was it only because your cat is named after her, or was it was it because of your admiration for her athletic abilities? No, if I if I'd have saw Lolo Jones without a cat, not having named my cat Lolo Jones, I would have literally said, "Hey, Lolo," and just maybe went and got a selfie with her and, and walked on. But I mean, this was like, uh, 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 uh. I, I, I forgot to give her a book. I, Shaquille O'Neal came walking into the restaurant one day. He got a book. <laughs> <laughs> got to give Shaq a book. He may not. Read I wouldn't it. even. Ever- I don't know if he could read, but. <laughs> but, like, so, when, hey, he went to he, he went to LSU. Don't be just saying that. Now, I named so my pussy he, after you. <laughs> yeah, oh that's what God. I should have said. Kiko, you always come through, buddy. 
<laughs> and well, but she's like a forty-year-old virgin too. She's kind of famous for being a virgin. So yeah, hey Lolo, I might not get your pussy, but I got one named after you. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. Crazy. That's pretty funny. There's but when I, when I, story. When I was at LSU, I walked in the bathroom one day, and boom, there was Shaq. I was like, oh shit. Well, Shaq was playing for Orlando at the time. And he had just recorded a rap on one of Michael Jackson's songs for his history album, right? So I break down in the bathroom and I, I rap his rap that he did in the Michael song to him right after he finished taking a piss, right? So this is probably 1995, 1996. So a couple of years ago, I was at Twin Peaks here in Baton Rouge. And who comes walking in? Shaq. So like I said, I called my sister. I'm like, I guess your favorite person just walked into uh, Twin Peaks. And she's like, who? I'm like, Shaq. She's like, give him a book. So I ran out to my car, signed the book, sent a waitress to go give me the book. Well, let's check this out. This is really good. Really good. So I walk, well, no, So the Shaq looks at the book, and he's having dinner with this dude. And the dude looks up, and he's, he's looking for me, right? He's looking for me. So I wave, and he, he's like, come on, come, come over, come over. So I walk over there. If you watch the video of my dad, can you show that real quick? Yeah, Daddy shooting. Yeah, pull it up. All right, so, all right, see the, the other guy, the cop? Yeah. The escort? All right. The, yeah, the escort, the, that cop, the one on the right, not the one in the orange. The yeah. cop, Shaq was having dinner with his son that day. Oh, no oh shit, my God. dude. What? Dude, that is crazy. <laughs> oh, slow-mo. He looks so badass, all slow-mo. Oh, did he just yeah. eat it? Yeah, dude. Did someone just trip him? No, he shot him. No, that's when his dad no, shot, he him. shot him. Yeah, oh, that that's him shooting him. <gasps> oh, yeah, I thought dude. that was your dad. Okay, okay. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So, so then yeah. he turns around. Bam, right there. Bam, Holy that's nuts. <gasps> 40 years, he still ain't missed. <laughs> he did that. He did oh, that. Oh, like okay, he's, he's wearing the hat. Okay, I see. Play that one more time. That's great. Wow. Are you good? He's like, oh, look at the hat. Oh my god, wow. <laughs> that's it. That's that fucking 30, nuts. Was that a 38 special? Yeah, 38 snub nose revolver. <laughs> so, look, so whenever I whenever I walked over to Shaq and Sean, that was the cop's son's name. Um, Sean graduated with my brother and sister at the same high school. And one time they were at a football game and my dad saw Bud and instead of waving, my dad kind of just did like that. And Bud, you can imagine, didn't like my father because, you know, he didn't know my dad and, you know, my dad's shooting right next to, you know, so Bud wasn't too happy about it. But I looked at Shaq and I said, Shaq, I want you to know something. I said, I want you to know that I'm the guy that sang to you in the bathroom that time. And he looks over at Sean and he goes, yeah, and he went in there to take a shit. <laughs> I, and I was like, he remembered me. <laughs> wow, you that's crazy. So your dad's probably got a better shot than Shaq, though, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> when it comes to free throws, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's crazy. So I guess it's that has just like, uh, I guess like elevated you to like a level of like your own kind of fame and notoriety too, because of uh, the story and stuff, like more or less. And the book, um. But yeah, I mean, if you're selling books, I mean, that's what, yeah. You know, I haven't got to the level I would like to be because, I mean, the book came out right before COVID. So I had like five presentations canceled. I had a trip scheduled to Gulf Shores, Alabama, oh, Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, and uh, Vancouver. And all of those, that literally free trips got canceled. And then, you know, we're locked down for a couple of years. So hopefully when this documentary comes out, I can go on, on national shows to promote the documentary and promote the book. Maybe republish the book because I got a, I'm calling it the lost chapter because I started writing the book in 93, put it on the shelf, started again in 2012, wrote one chapter. It was the first chapter I start. I was going to start from the beginning. Well, I found that chapter like years later after the book came out and it, it really is a good chapter and it needs to be like, if I republished, it needs to be like a, kind of like a, the, the lost chapter. Um, 
it was just kind of in detailed uh, the first moment where Jeff started testing my boundaries. And I think it's really important. So I would love to get that included into a, you know the next edition, if there is one. That's Seems awesome. like a good excuse to just relaunch the whole thing, you know, now that you'd be able to do yeah. the proper promotional tours and, and all that, you know, adding that extra chapter, you could you could well, uh, whip up a new kind of storm of interest. Let's say Netflix were to pick it up and, and have a docuseries because they're, they're pitching a three-point part docuseries. So let's say Netflix pitches it. Well, they might want to, you know, republish the book, you know, so they might want to have me republish Somebody the will, book and get sure. full distribution. And get full distribution. Right now, it's print on demand on Amazon. Um, full distribution, you know, you would go walk into the airport, it would be there in every Barnes and Noble in the country. So hopefully, yeah. that'll happen. That's what like Airbnb did. They kept having like uh, premieres. I was nobody knew who the company was. So, like they have like a like a, a premiere party like every couple every so often and stuff. And you can probably do that with your book too. I mean, it's a. I mean, you. I mean, are you? You probably selling a lot of copies already. I mean, that's not too personal, right? I mean, I imagine. A bunch of people want to hear this story and are connected to it through the meme world and stuff and like the gun culture and all that. I could probably look it up, but it's not, it, trust me, it's not what I had hoped for. I mean, I've been, you know, before I had a book, I was on Oprah, Montel, Geraldo, uh, Lisa Gibbons show, John Walsh show, CNN. And ever since the book came out, I haven't been on anything um, that high profile. You can imagine I really would love to do Joe Rogan or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, I got a friend of mine that works for Good Morning America. I sent Robert Roberts a book because she's from Mississippi, went to school in Louisiana. And for whatever reasons, the producers haven't contacted me. I have, though, recently in the last couple of months done a few uh, segments on Court TV. Well, now you're on the Anthony Rogers show, so you went even past all those other shows and uh, you, you, all, all those other no-name shows you just mentioned, you know? <laughs> um, uh, I have to sign out kind of early tonight, so I just wanted to—I didn't want to cut anyone off, but um, no, I just good. wanted to say it was nice meeting you, Jody. It was nice meeting you, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me on again, and um, it was great yeah, talking yeah. to you. you guys continue to uh, talking, and yeah. uh, I'll see you guys. Next week. Well, let me. Yes, wait, wait, uh, no. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to—I'm going to send you a link where she—you can—you can email it to her so she can download it for free um, if she's interested. Girls can't read, dude. They're they're uh. <laughs> I can I can then I can send her a link to the audio book. Good, she can listen. Yeah, okay, well, see, I, see I would I would I would disagree. I would say they don't Everybody listen, but they can read. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen either. Yeah, that's what. That's true. They, they just talk a lot, you know. That's what. Uh, I'm just joking. Nikki's awesome. I appreciate that, bro. But uh, no, it's crazy. So like um. No, it's weird. Like, like uh, I appreciate you taking the time to even be on here, man. It's, it's kind of crazy. This whole like story. I mean, it's just kind of a weird. Hang on, someone's saying. That's a great question. Actually. What are some great? What are, what are some good times you had with your dad? That's a good. It's a great question. Um, there's uh, tons of them. I mean, we would go. Uh, we would go to Saints games. We'd go to Houston on a weekend trip to go see the Astros. Um. One of the best, one of, one of my best memories is we, uh, in 2002, um, my little brother and my dad, they flew up to New, well, they flew up to Pennsylvania and then we drove to New York and we went on the John Walsh, uh, he had a, a briefly, he had a, a television talk show. And the day before we went on that talk show, me and my dad and my brother, we all went on the, the circle on tour in Manhattan. If you've never done it, I've probably done it over 20 times. I do it every time I go to New York City, but I might not do it the next time I go. Because I found out an alternative, but uh, I mean, just just my dad just taking it all in and just being in New York City, and and he told me he said this is one of the happiest days of my life. So that probably would be one of the best memories. That's awesome, man. He sounds like he was a great dad. You know, I mean, sounds like you have uh, overwhelmingly positive feelings about your guys' relationship. I mean, obviously he did a lot put his life on the line for you and and uh it's cool it's cool to hear you know some of this other stuff that you're you're adding to the the picture yeah so no, no he 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 if he wasn't the guy that he was he probably may have gone to jail but i mean everyone loved my dad he was a host he was the entertainer he he would buy you a beer he'd buy the bar around the beers he'd buy his shot he'd you know, and at the time i didn't drink in college and so he'd be like even even though he knew i didn't drink he'd be like you want a beer like, I'll get you one. 
And I mean, that was just, you know, my dad, like he was, you know, hosting Monday night football parties. He, you know, he's always the one that was cooking the big jambalaya for the baseball team. He coached every one of my sports. Um, even though he knew nothing about soccer, he was a soccer coach. You know, I mean, he was just, he was, he was a parent that was involved in the everyday activities of his kid's life. And whenever my parents split up in 83, when we were taking karate uh, before the shooting, I think that was, that was tough for him because, you know, he, he loved his family. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, well, so, so him and your mom split in 83 and, and what year again, did you say this happened in 84 the next year, the shooting? Yeah. Then the, the shooting took place in March of 84. Uh, they separated, okay. I think the summer to August of uh, 83, but they got back together right after the shooting. Did, did that last? Uh, well, so part of my dad's probation. All right. So my mother's issue with my dad was his drink. Okay. Um, he wasn't a mean drunk. He wasn't a violent drunk. Um, but when you're out entertaining your clients, uh, you come home nine o'clock at night, uh, might have a little whiskey dick. Kids are in bed. I could see where a wife wouldn't, you know, like the drinking. So, uh, part of his probation was he couldn't drink. So my mother said, look, as long as he doesn't drink, He's I'm, I'm fine with him. Like, I, I love your dad. And so they got back together. And then once he completed his probation, <laughs> he went back to drinking. But he right. tried to hide it. But he, he tried to hide it. But here's the funny thing. My mother called me, you know, she pulled me aside. And she's like, I think your dad's drinking again. And I said, why? She goes, because he was snoring last night. And he only snores when he's drunk. And he hadn't snored in seven years. <laughs> so he got busted again. And then, but, and then, then they, she ended up leaving and going and living in Biloxi. She got a job working at a bank. She got a little apartment right there on the beach. She had it all fixed up all nicely. And that was 91. And she lived there till 2005 when Katrina wiped that apartment complex off the face of the map. And so she lived in a FEMA trailer for another year. And after that time had passed, my older, my little brother, he lives directly across the street. Like, I mean, I could get him here in five minutes or seconds if I wanted to, but uh, he lives across the street. He had just had a second child. And so they convinced her to move back home. They would pay her to watch the kids instead of sending them to daycare. And that way she could make her money, you know, take care of herself, have a place to stay. So I had moved back like two months before Katrina from Pennsylvania. So Daddy was living by himself. He was drinking too much. And it was kind of like, I need to go back home. Kind of, I, not take care of him. I wasn't taking care of him. But uh, it was just kind of like, you know, be there for him. Well, uh, then they convinced my mother to move back. So I'm living in the front room. My mom's living in the middle room where I'm at right now. My dad's living in the master bedroom. So it was kind of like three roommates. And then daddy had the stroke. He, he had to go to the nursing home because he needed full-time care. And then... He died. So now I'm a 51 year old living with mommy hugging a cat all day long. <laughs> oh, so you still live so, with your mom so, now, huh? Yeah, I still live the same. Well, like when I like when I moved back home, I moved back home with daddy, and I'm I'm still in the same house. I mean, once Katrina happened, uh, real estate in Baton Rouge went up a hundred percent. I mean, like, well, not a hundred percent, maybe probably forty percent. So if you had a hundred thousand dollar home before Katrina, the day after it was one hundred forty thousand. Because the new ones got wiped out. Baton Rouge was kind of like yeah. the first, yeah, it's kind of like the first refugee zone. So, I mean, Baton Rouge was literally 110% full because you had, you know, two families living in the house. And that was not uncommon at that point. It was pretty miserable back then. Yeah. That's crazy. To think yeah, that's devastating. I was just down there. Crazy, man. I was, I was just down there not too long ago in uh, that area where Sean's at right now. I was just there probably like a couple months ago. Like, uh, New Orleans. Area. I, I'm going to be in Biloxi tomorrow, too. Well, that's remote. I, I, I could go look at Seal Street and Beach Road. It's it's literally almost not directly across from the Beauvage, but you, there'll be a, you'll see an interstate. Where are you playing at? Uh, the Cannery. It's the Cannery? Canary, okay. I think, I think it's just been yeah, I'm not the aware. last two years. I'm not aware of it, but again, the Beauvage, if you're, you know, Looking from the Beau Rivage towards the opposite of the ocean on the left-hand side of the interstate that runs right on the left side of the Beau Rivage, there's a little street, and that's where her, her little apartment was right there. It just got wiped out. 
And a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine, he had gotten an apartment next door and I had just moved back and I gave him a whole box of just my VHS tapes because, you know, he had just had his own place and they got all wiped away too. But, you know, that's collateral damage for nothing. But uh, that's cool. So New Orleans or uh, Jefferson last night and Biloxi tomorrow. Did, what, did you do anything fun yeah. today? Uh, I actually have a friend here that lives in New Orleans. So we just, uh, we stayed at his place last night and uh, we've just kind of kicked it today, taking it easy and, and uh, ate some good food, grilled some steaks and um, get kind of a relaxed day, you know? That's, uh, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Sounds but, awesome. but New Orleans is definitely one of my favorite, my favorite towns in, in this country. I, I, I love the food element, obviously. I mean, the food is just incredible and, I've had so many amazing experiences. I've I've been touring for a really long time, so I've I've had a lot of opportunities to be in New Orleans and and uh, see some cool shit and do some cool shit. And I always love coming here. Ever do any gigs up in Pennsylvania, uh, Philly area? That's that's what I was up for like seven years. Oh yeah, we used to play the Trocadero a lot back in the day. Um, you know that place? No, I've heard of. I've never been. Yeah, we used to heard play of the Chocadero. Um, I'm trying to think of where else we used to play in Philly. There's a whole slew of smaller venues that we've played that I couldn't even tell you the name of. Um, the last place that we've been playing is just some shitty little little club, and I couldn't tell you the name. But we still go there pretty much uh, every maybe couple of years. We play uh, what is it, Harrisburg? Okay, often these days. We're- the poison's from. No, there's a there's a, a venue called H Mac there, and uh, we've been playing there lately. V- venues in the United States, small venues are it's it's a very volatile like scenario. You know, I mean, the the Rona time period wiped a whole bunch of them out, and then you know rock music is not at its best at the moment as, as far as popularity goes. So, r- rock venues they really come and go quickly these days. A lot of the classics got wiped out and little ones pop up and then they go under and it's kind of a confusing mess these days. Yeah. COVID was shit. Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like 2020, if I could trade 83 for 2020, I'd take 83 again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's it's changed the world for the worse and and uh, I mean it, it destroyed a lot of good. It sure did. Yeah, I just got turned I, back, so I'm fine. I know. I, I have Anthony, a, you know, Ant- do what? Sorry, go ahead, man. No, I was say I have a guilty feel, uh, a guilty. Uh, I don't pleasure, maybe not a pleasure, but I just have guilt. And the guilt comes from, you know what? I, I got to be honest. I actually did enjoy the first two weeks of the shutdown. Because we all couldn't leave the house. It was only going to be for two weeks. So, you're, you know, my brother, he plays music too, but he just plays like a guitar and sings, uh, you know, local bars around here. And he would go on a lot and he would every, you know, so, so often he'd have a, he'd play a drinking game where music. So he'd play songs while you commented. And if you made him laugh while he's singing, he'd have to take a drink and, you know, you didn't, then if he finished the song without taking a drink, then you had to take a drink. Just, just creative ways of like, hey, we can't, we're fucking trapped in our houses. Let's just figure out something to do. He even wrote a song called the uh, the quarantine song. I think it's on Spotify. Uh, if you want to check it out, I mean, it's not that's not bridge over troubled water, but you know, I mean, he had nothing to do with during the quarantine, so he wrote he wrote a quarantine song. But uh, I did enjoy the first two weeks, but after that, fuck it. Yeah, I, I, the whole time I felt like something was off and I had lots of suspicions. And, and so when the quarantine first happened, I I wish I could have enjoyed some of it, but I just, I just thought, where is this going? Where are they taking this? Cause I, I just feel like there's, I, I just knew that there were nefarious plans and agendas and, and. I had so much worry and stress. Plus, you know, I mean, me being a, a touring musician, Anthony as well being a touring comedian, you know, I mean, we both lost a lot of gigs that, that year. Um, 20, 2020 was the, the year I've toured the least in the last 20 years. 
I, I did one tour in the beginning of the year. Um, and I got home from that tour in, in February, right when it was starting to ramp. And I got, I had three tours canceled for the rest of that year. And, and it was quite a struggle when, you, you know, that's my, my main, uh, my main gig, you know? You want to hear what's messed up with me is my dumbass didn't do my taxes in 2016. So I didn't get any of that free money they were giving away. Oh, you didn't get the, uh, the stimulus, huh? I got, I got a couple stimuluses, but I didn't get the, like in Louisiana, they were like giving you eight fifty a week for like nine months. Oh, you know, I, I mean, right. So that's why a lot of people, that's why you like a lot of like, you know, Burger Kings and stuff like that are still struggling to hire people because people made so much money not working that, I mean, cause all you had to do is say, I'm scared. I, I don't want to go to work. I need to stay home. And they're like, here you go. $500 here, extra three fifty from the state. And yeah, I mean, so all that free money, I didn't get none of it. It's amazing well, that free money. And then, and then people wonder why our fucking, our money is being inflated to this degree now, you know, as soon as they started just, just Praying. doing that, I, I was just like, this is, you know, you, they're just printing that shit. It doesn't exist, you know? So I'm, I'm getting a little, uh, conspiracy vibe going, um, so do you do you have any theories on what you may have what the, the whole shutdown was about? A communist takeover. Yeah, I mean globalist takeover. Globalist takeover. It, it, it definitely it definitely I, felt like a like a move. You know, it, it, it wasn't a complete plan, it's part of part of a complete plan. I mean, I definitely feel like they want to just stomp out freedom, get us, you know, nor normalize uh limitations in our in our ability to travel and what we're allowed to do and and uh i just think that you know it was it was just a major piece in in their overall plan see i think it was a way to get rid of crypto i think crypto was getting too powerful and too you know mainstream that it was like all right let's nip this shit in the bud and let's make sure that the world bank <laughs> you get your money from us right so here yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna know. give we're gonna give you a bunch you know, so that, but again, I, I said this when it happened. I was like, it's an agenda. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to speculate. We'll know probably in 15, 20 years. But I mean, it's funny that you said it because I was sitting here today. What I've been watching is uh, it's a three port docuseries on uh, a day in America and it's like JFK. So I mean, even though I'm sitting here waiting to go on the show here, I had like a couple hours to kill. I'm watching JFK conspiracy theories that are, it's new, it's, it's made in 2023. I'm like, what yeah. new am I going to learn? Nothing. You know what I saw? I saw some really cool uh, colorized footage that I'd never seen before. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they definitely, they've, they've made enough of those, you know, JFK movies and series to, to cover all that's out there. But it's, it's still an interesting topic, you know. Which I find funny that you're at that venue or you were at that venue last night because that's where a lot of the New Orleans mob, Carlos Morcello, would uh you know have like dinners and shit like that. That that's a big part of that history. Oh really? I had no idea. Sean's actually yeah, I was the he's actually uh, in the mafia. <laughs> Good for you. No, I'm. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have to play these uh all these fucking shows every year if I was in the mafia. It's his front. It's his. It's his. It's his mafia front to be a rock star. That's right. I'm using this it's to launder my my money. Yeah, I'm gonna start making just, conspiracy theories up about everybody on the screen. <laughs> I just make up, like, why, why, you know, why do it to strangers? You know, just do it to people on the screen. It's a shame. It's a shame we didn't schedule this for the six because then I could have went and saw you last night, dude. Yeah, you know, uh, if, if if we're ever coming through and you feel like coming out, definitely hit me up and and I'll get you tickets, man. Cool. That'd be a great we, Twitter picture. Like wearing a smiley soul shirt. Like have Jody wearing a smiley soul shirt. That'd be that'd be a good Twitter picture. We we actually used to play Baton Rouge here and there, but um, it's been a while. Typically these days we play either uh, New Orleans or Lafayette. Even no, everyone does. Everyone skips right over Baton Rouge. They go to New Orleans. They go to Lafayette, or they, they and they could just come to Baton Rouge. And all the people from New Orleans and Lafayette could come here. But I I, I don't blame people for going to New Orleans because I mean New Orleans. You know, that's it's a major city. Uh, they have a football team. They have a dome. They have an arena. I mean, not many cities has a dome and an arena. You know, 
Um, wh- where did you play in Baton Rouge? I'm going to guess the varsity. That sounds very familiar. That's got to be it. I, I've, I've been doing this a while, and, and uh, like my brain, it just doesn't really store that kind of right. information anymore. But uh, when you said the varsity, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was it. It's right off. It's right off the campus of LSU. Like literally, if you had a a cup full of water, you could throw the water to LSU's campus from the varsity. Nice. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I'd per, I'd actually have to Google it to to confirm, but I I can I can bet that that's it based on how it sounds. Yeah, Blind Melons played there. I know Fishbones played there. Um, so it's definitely a, a it's. I went and saw Jim Brewer there. Uh, oh, nice. So it's 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 a, yeah, it's a neat little small kind of intimate venue. Small and intimate. That's what we typically play. Yeah, <laughs> we aren't playing the big ones. We we have played the big ones, you know, with opening for other bands or playing festival style shows and, and whatnot. But when we do our own touring, we're usually playing the the intimate ones. I'm doing the barn. Is there any right now? Like you know, I'm doing the the barn grill scene. The uh, the coffee house bar and grill scene, and uh, that's, that's where I'm uh, bringing comedy to a very lucrative comedy career from that. You have a uh, you have a, a next tour in the works right now, Anthony? Uh 2024. Yeah, I'm mapping it out right now. I'm wrapping up, helping my mom out, and then I'm going to get back to taking other people's money in random states. Yeah, you know? back to stuffing these pockets, these pockets full of all. all you know, it's the game plan. That's right. We should take Jody on tour. Jody, you want to open for Smiley Soul? <laughs> I could, I could get up there and say a few words. I you could. Cat? <laughs> Look, I got it. I got. I don't know if you can see it, but that's that's her on a blanket. My sister got that for me. Oh, look at that! I was like, yeah, let me. So I'm, I'm, yeah, because a lot of times, what knowing what I went through, people are like, so how? How has that affected you? I'm like, okay, you want to ask me if I'm gay or not? Just ask me. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, people's been wondering that since I was 11 I figured, years old. I figured when you showed me the cat blanket, you were gay. Like, well, that's what I told my mother when I got the cat blanket. I said, no one's gonna fucking believe me when I tell them I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice cat blanket. Don't don't let my uh, don't let my shade ruin it for you. It's a nice, it's a nice blanket. Well, it works out good because I put it over my two legs, and when she jumps on my lap, she doesn't fall. But if I'm just sitting there, she'll sometimes jump on my leg and fall off and scratch me. So I, I, the blanket's there to keep her, you know, because she loves to sit on me. I mean, she she knows I saved her. So she follows me around like she, she thinks I'm its mommy. It's it's crazy when, when animals, like, recognize and appreciate that that element. Like, the ones that you truly save, you know, they're like, they, they they show their appreciation and affection, you know. Oh, I'm her person. Is there any more uh, questions from people watching? Somebody, some. The mic's full of questions. Uh, good local eats in uh, Baton Rouge. All right, I mentioned this in my book, and since <laughs> the book was published, two of the locations have shut down. One, the building last week was like destroyed. They're going to build like a Panda Express and a. Uh, like a Chipotle or whatever. But if you're ever in Baton Rouge, oh, there's a restaurant called TJ Ribs. They have the best smoked wings on the planet. And that's what I would highly recommend. I know, and I know if you're in Baton Rouge, like I don't want wings, but I promise you they're the best wings on the planet. I'm down. What, it's, it's called what again? It's called TJ Ribs. It's a kind of like a barbecue place, but they, they have smoked wings and they're, they're large jumbo wings. But they flash fry them when you order them to heat them back up, or you can get them. Excuse me, you can get them grilled. If you get them grilled, it tastes like it came out of your backyard. Very, very good restaurant. You know, I might have to try and stop there. I, I th- after Biloxi, we we head to uh, to Texas. So I be- don't don't we have to pass through Baton Rouge on the way? Absolutely. If you're, if you're taking I-10, you're going to have to take. Uh, you're going to have to pass through Baton Rouge, and it's yeah. at the uh, Acadian exit. Uh, Acadian throwaway is called TJ Ribs. I mentioned it in the book. Uh, you got to get the wings with the sauce on the side, and you, all you have to do is get the wings because there's enough meat on the bones. It's I think it's listed as the appetizer. Don't get the fried wings. Get the smoked wings. The wings, the appetizer, and I it, this they're so good. I'll give it a shot. Is it, is it right off Sorry. the highway? 
like literally if you stopped on the shoulder you could walk to the restaurant dude it's done i'm going there yeah it's a done deal oh so are y'all on a, y'all like a bus we're in an rv okay so you'll be able to park in the parking lot they, they have a decent sized parking lot if not i'm not because that the one that i'm talking to you about is the original location it's not the one that i went to mainly um but if not that probably there's an old abandoned gas station next door so you should be able to find a place to you know pull through we get creative but i mean literally creative yeah literally i mean it's by the time you exit off you uh, would be taking an immediate left to get to tj ribs i mean it's right off the highway awesome man i appreciate the recommendation yeah i'll i'll, I'll stop there for lunch on uh on uh monday or sorry something like that sunday or monday let me know let me know what you think when you're done because uh, that's that's really good and you're the bird ends you're gonna have people waiting outside the restaurant now sean like they're like watching this they're like fuck he said he'd be here monday or tuesday i don't think so i don't that's think not how rock bands work that's not how rock bands work nah, i mean probably not all right well Proof Sean wrong and meet him there in Baton Rouge on Tuesday at TJ Ribs. <laughs> 1 p.m. 1 p.m. <laughs> we'll be there. And if anybody, anybody watching at home is from uh, swinging through O'Fallon, Missouri, I've been eating the brass rail the last two weeks, just ordering it, <laughs> ordering it over and over again. Just uh, it's a good You're going to get swarmed, bro. I'm getting what? You're going to get swarmed. What's at that? O'Fallon's now. Oh, no, no, no. O'Fallon's doesn't allow people anymore. Isn't that how it's, comedy uh, works? <laughs> well i'm a bar grill comedian you're a gold record having artist there's you know there's, there's a little bit of a difference in our in our success i feel like like jody what do you think what do you think is cool having gold records or playing bar and grills like <laughs> i play bar and grills too dude <laughs> yeah, i just i was like i i think both have their appeal i mean i spent a lot of times in you know bars and grills mostly bars he's playing but, that uh, neutral, he's playing that neutral game <laughs> He's, he's playing Switzerland. He's like, he's like, I like both you guys, you know. <laughs> exactly. You guys, you guys both have cool beards, <laughs> dude. When you first came on here, I think Nikki thought you were me because, like, you, because you, like, you had just like the long hair and beard. She goes, she, she goes, oh, there you are. Like as soon as, like as soon as, soon as it came on, I think, I think she thought that you, I, I think she thought that you were me at first. Like, it was funny. it's funny too. She goes, I would like to see. Sorry, go ahead, man. No, I was, I'd like to see y'all spend a uh, summer in Louisiana with this beard. Y'all be like me, y'all be because I can grow hair. I just don't. I don't like right now. My hair is too long, but uh, I can grow it. I just hate it. I just put a sponsored hat over my skullet. You know, that's what I do. I just cover the skullet with the with the sponsored hat. You know, that's the only thing I do. I'm getting old and bald. I like it. I can hear that ear. This earpiece is just hurting my ear for some reason. I don't know why. You right. know what? Uh, we we've hit the hour mark. I should probably head out anyway. If you guys are, we probably should. Are, uh, yeah, feeling like it's a complete episode. I think we did a great job here. I think we. I think we. Uh, I think we did a good job. I think. Uh, I think we learned a lot today. Yeah, I think. Uh, give it up, give it up, give it up for Mike. Chris, you know? Hey guys, Wait. great show. And Nick, and Nikki got to see the shooting, which she had never seen before. So that yeah, was, uh, that good. was an interesting element, you know. That, cool uh, live reaction. I've never seen someone live react to it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Most people have seen it by now. That's certainly all my friends. Have. I just got to tell you, I had I had a a bumper sticker of your dad on my first car ever, like in 2017. That's Sean, crazy. That's bad. Sean's dad or Sean's dad or Jody's dad? <laughs> <Sean's> dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jody, I had I had a picture of I had like a, a bumper sticker of both the roof Koreans and your dad on my minivan. Where I work, I work at my friend's specialty meat store, and I have my book on the counter because I'll yeah I'll sell the book there. And this guy, not knowing who I was, he walked in there. He looked at the title. The title of the book is Why Gary Why. Now it's available on Amazon. Let me do the you know pitch thing. But that guy looked at me and he goes. Every Father's Day, I put that man's picture on my computer. That <laughs> <laughs> now, now that that title is uh, that was wow, what the that was what the officer said to your uh, said to your dad, right? Right. He said, you know, you hear the funny thing is you hear him go, "Whoa, like whoa, God damn it, Gary, why, why, Gary?" <laughs> but everybody just remembers Gary, why, Gary, why? 
so that's why the book, you know, it technically isn't why Gary Gary why, but it's why Gary why because it's all people here. I, when I was working on the book uh, before it was published, I was driving Uber. Ugh, I hate it now, but at the time I was enjoying it. And I picked this guy up at the airport, and he was like, "Yeah, me and my mom, uh, me and my wife, we just moved down from Ohio, and we really like the people here. It's friendly, the food is nice, blah blah blah." And so I'm just driving him, I'm you know whatever. And he's like, "So uh, what do you do besides this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, right now I'm kind of working on a project," and I was kind of keeping it low. So he kept asking, kept asking. I said, "I said, I said, look, dude, I said that airport I just picked you up at. I was like, when I was younger, I said I was kidnapped, and my father shot the guy in that airport. You you were just that." And he goes, "Wait a second, your dad is Y Geary Y," and I was like, "There's the fucking title of my book." And I, I already, I already said that was going to be the title of the book. But when he said that, it was confirmed. It was why Gary Why. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, Sean, thanks for coming back. Coming back on here. That's uh, good to see you back in the vine. Appreciate Mike producing this and uh, Joe, you taking the time. I appreciate it. and people watching this. Just I uh, appreciate you wasting your Saturday with us. You know, uh, I appreciate you taking the Friday. time to be here. With, you know, oh, it's Friday. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, you're not wasting your Saturday. You're wasting your Friday. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, thank you all for watching. Um, without listeners, this would be a delusional thing. So I, I appreciate everybody watching and all the guests and stuff. And I appreciate you all. I'm going to get on your time. Nice Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you, Jody. Hey, and, nice to uh, meet you. Nice, Enjoy nice your TJ Rooms. Nice to meet you, Sean. Dude, I'll, I'll, I'll find you on social media, man. I'll let you know uh, what I think after we eat there. All righty. Take care, guys. Yeah, have a good night. Bye.